0: Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street. And this is episode 64 of the Lawyerist podcast, where we talk with Andy Mergendahl about the internet of things and its implications for lawyers and clients.
1: Today's podcast is sponsored by Smokeball. Turbocharge your small law firm with case management
0: from Smokeball. Watch a two-minute demo at smokeball.com slash lawyerist today. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Ruby Receptionists. Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist, so we don't have to worry about getting interrupted when we're being productive and we love the job that they do for us. You can visit Ruby at callruby.com slash lawyerist to get a risk-free trial with Ruby.
1: If you enjoy this show, please visit lawyers.com slash podcast and click on support the podcast to help us keep new episodes coming every week. So, Aaron, recently the news hit that x.ai, which is an um, technically an artificially intelligent bot that helps you schedule your meetings uh, just raised 23 million dollars and plans to launch it widely this fall uh, and we kind of keyed into that because we've had some experience planning a meeting
0: with x.ai what was the name what's the name uh, of amy i think it's like amy something she has the the bot has a specific name yeah it's like Amy Murphy or something like that.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, it's like Alexa or Siri or whatever. They all have to have names. And I, I guess they're all women's names for some reason. Yeah. So, you know, we we scheduled an appointment. Uh, Matt Homan, as he usually does, had jumped on the shiny new thing and tried it. And I, I thought it was a little clunky. I, I wasn't a big fan of it. I it, it seems to take a while for responses to get back and forth, but maybe that was just the challenge of scheduling an appointment with three people. I don't know.
0: Yeah. It's not sure. It's not clear to me whose time it saved. I think it saved Matt, the scheduler, a little bit of time because he just said, go schedule this meeting with these guys. Mm-hmm. But on our end, we were getting emails back and forth and back and forth to pick our schedules, just like we would if we were working with anybody's assistant. So I'm not sure this is the solution, but this whole uh, genre of AI uh, virtual assistants, I think is a really fascinating um, new technology that is definitely the wave of the future.
1: Well, yeah, John Grant recently wrote a post on Lawyerist about um, a a customer support AI, where essentially what you do is it it reads your responses to customer support requests and learns how you would respond. And it pre-drafts emails for you. So, you know, the first time uh, you could use this for client service, first time a client calls and and they ask about the status of their case, or they um, give you a question about, hey, we want to bring on a new shareholder. And you respond. And this this AI, I think it's called Gorgias, um, G-O-R-G-I-A-S. Um, and I don't know if that's a com or an IO or what, but um, it it watches your response. It, it gets a copy of a response. And so the next time somebody calls and it thinks that here's the same question, it pre-drafts the email for you so that you can take a look at it and send it. Um, there's no like, there's none of this tedious uh, filling out fields and stuff in a document to do document assembly. It just watches what you do and then learns what you do in, in I guess, the way an associate would do. Um, so that's another uh, AI option. And Recently, Facebook has been previewing its Messenger AI that I think we're going to see soon. And there was a really interesting demo I saw of two bots talking to each other in order to schedule a hotel room or something like that, which was really cool. It was
0: Yeah, fun. I mean, there, there are silly tricks with it, but the idea with that one is if you and I are chatting in our Messenger app, and say we should get dinner and you say where should we go and i say i don't know what's nearby it will automatically as soon as we say that show us open restaurants nearby with reservations and you can just click on the open table button in the the app and make your reservation while you're chatting with the other person right or it can schedule your uber for you from the app while you're doing it which
1: is either going to be awesome or really kind of creepy and annoying it's i mean
0: it's clippy right well, it is, but if <laughs> I see if you're writing saving, a letter, I see you're scheduling dinner. <laughs> yeah, it could be. I mean, the other the other versions of this more on the business function side, um, I use an app called Crystal Knows that is a plug-in to my email that basically pulls profile data from people's social media accounts, mostly LinkedIn, and it does this sophisticated psychology analysis on it so that when I'm crafting an email to someone, it will tell me, Sam Glover likes emails that are short and personal, and so you should start your email with, hey, Sam, and you should make sure to include three or four data points in an email because he likes specific data or whatever it is for any given person. And it will then auto correct your email to write towards the personality of the person you're writing to. And it is fascinating.
1: Yeah, you're a big fan of it. I've, I'm not as big of a fan of it, but, um, but I think it's really cool and it's amazing how accurate it is. You know, I looked at my own profile and I was like, well,
0: that's pegged me. (laughs) Yeah. And it it will tell me like this person wants you to be very serious and professional, whereas this person wants you to be casual and fun. Or tell a joke.
1: This person likes, you know, responds well to humor and stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and I'm not, I'm careful to still say what I would otherwise say. But if if it indicates to me that I'm going to be more persuasive with someone saying, hey, Sam, than saying, dear Sam. Then I'll do that because I want to be able to communicate clearly with them on their terms.
1: Yeah, and if and if there's no cost other than revising your email, why wouldn't you do it? It's yeah, I guess maybe we're witnessing the birth of the the weak AI bots. <laughs> it's starting. <laughs> I mean, it, these are all calling it AI. You know, Ed Walters uh, has kind of a rant that he goes on uh, in in Ed, all Ed Walters not shouting rant style um, about we should probably stop talking about artificial intelligence because it's just, uh, it's all a matter of degree, right? The more sophisticated your algorithm gets, the more it starts to look like artificial intelligence. And that's what these are. They're just bots. Um, Siri is an algorithm. And so are these. But uh, but the more targeted and better they get at doing their jobs, um, it's the more impressive things are going to get. And yeah, we might totally be in entering weird world where we have virtual... Legal assistance without really even having to do much.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can definitely foresee that practice management software developers are already incorporating some of the language of your smart assistant, your virtual assistant. And clearly they're watching this technology too. And it's just a matter of time before these things about automated calendaring and automated communications become part of their suites too.
1: Yeah, it'd be, it'd be awesome if, I, I'm not sure how, how you'd initiate this with your with your software, but, you know, why don't, you know, why isn't uh, Smokeball or Clio or Rocket Matter watching me open files so that I only have to do it once? Uh, and then the next time I start opening a file, they go, hey, I see you're opening a file, you want me to take over? Um, and go ahead and draft the letters and things like that based on what I did the first time around. That would be Freaking sweet. That's where these things are headed. And now here's my conversation with Andy.
2: Hello, my name is Andy Mergendell, and I am a privacy officer and a lawyer, and I work at a large commercial bank. I work in uh, ensuring that the bank is protecting sensitive information that it collects from its customers and from its employees. And specifically, I work mostly in um, HIPAA, the uh, health law that protects your health information, and the uh, federal law commonly called GLIBA that protects your financial information that you provide to financial institutions. All
1: right. And I don't think you've ever publicly named your employer, so I won't even ask.
2: No, the only reason I don't do that is, 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 and it's no secret, um, people can find out if they have an internet connection. Um, But uh, I just don't name it because then I never have to worry about violating the bank's policy on social media. And, uh, you know, as any big company does, there's a group of folks that speak for the bank, and I don't speak for the bank unless I'm actually doing my job as a privacy officer instead of just chatting with you, Sam.
1: Well disclaimed. Um, Thank you. And we've sort of, this is kind of fun because, uh, you sort of uh, did a lot of writing for us for a while and uh, decided you needed a break from that. And now I've, I've sucked you back in, or rather you volunteered to be sucked back in in the form of the podcast. So
2: Right. Well, writing got to be very hard, and so just talking is a lot easier. So thank goodness for the development of your podcast. <laughs>
1: Good. And today, well, you had written to me and said that you got inspired. First, you wanted to argue about law school, um, but then you told me that you'd gotten inspired by a CLE on the Internet of Things, and um, I think we should talk about the Internet of Things. And I think we should start by talking about what are we even talking? What is the Internet of Things? Because I, even if people have heard that, I'm not sure they know what it means.
2: Well, it is kind of a, a wonky term, um, but it it's fairly descriptive in that we're talking about the Internet um, and the interconnectivity of um, devices. That's where we are right now in the progression toward. Um, you know, the bright future that awaits us all. So we're talking about individual things right now, like your car, your refrigerator. Um, we were just chatting a moment ago, Sam, about uh, Dick Cheney's um, pacemaker he had in his chest that was actually connectable to the Internet wirelessly. And then hmm. uh, and I understand that created some concern for the security folks when he was still um in a position of influence, so it, it's the traffic
1: signals. Um, I mean, there's a jokey side of this, right? You can buy internet-connected toothbrushes and cups sure. and things.
2: Yep. Yeah, your toothbrush will will send you an email when the bristles are getting too dull, and you need to pick up a new one on the way home, or, or order one from Amazon, <laughs> of course. Right. So uh, it's it's great, um, but the problem, of course, with with technology that's involves communication is that everyone wants to be first to market with everything. So, um, for example, the Samsung, I, they got the most publicity for having the smart TV. So mm-hmm. it was it connected directly to the Internet, which lots of TVs do now. But um, that Samsung TV had a microphone ostensibly just so that you could say uh, ESPN and it would turn on ESPN for you, or change the channel, say, right. or it would start recording your DVR or whatever. The problem was that it wasn't, really well thought out and so that the television microphone was by default turned on and there were a lot of concerns that it might be listening to you all the time and sending those voice recordings digitally back to a server somewhere and potentially to a third party that wasn't as trustworthy
1: perhaps as Samsung. So, Which is probably true, right? I mean, when Apple delivered its keynote uh, just recently and – the uh, the person on stage was demonstrating Siri. He says, hey, Siri. And half of the phones in the auditorium woke up and said, how can I help you? Right, exactly. Of course they're listening.
2: Right. And and they, they should be listening if we want them to be. Right. Um, but I, I don't have, uh, I don't want my phone listening to me all the time. I want to, you know, I have an Android phone, so I I want to have to swipe it before the microphone comes on and starts listening. So... It's fascinating, um, and and there are the opportunities for, you know, saving time and being efficient and being green by not having to drive to target, you know, 12 times a week to buy all those individual things that you need. Um, It's fantastic, but there, as as I said, anytime you want to be first to market, you're going to probably miss the analysis that requires, you know, folks like – like attorneys to sit around and think about worst case scenarios and and bad publicity, which is what yeah. we do best, right? Exactly. That's that's really what we are so trying to do. So uh, let's so
1: let's talk about some of that. I mean, I so the you know the first Internet of Things thing that I remember hearing about was the fridge that would know what is inside of it and then be able to assemble your grocery list um, based on what you've finished, which is very cool and all. Um, cars that know where they are and can talk to the cars around them, so they don't run into each other, which sounds fantastic.
2: Yes, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to turning over control of like my yeah. car to the to the computer, and, and only because everybody else has to also. <laughs> I'm,
1: Instead, I'm what better, we have is internet connected spoons. Well, we yeah right, and we,
2: and we have everyone texting while they're driving, so um, it, things could get better. Actually, they might not be getting dystopian.
1: Yeah. You know, but in the meantime, we have all these weird things, and really, all they are all doing is gathering data. Right, they're they're listening essentially, yep. and
2: and um, if you're if you're tapping or talking or whatever, uh, if you're driving and your location, um, is turn, your services are turned on, then Google is collecting. If you're using Google Maps like I do, it's collecting all my all my travels. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't turn on my location services on my. Android phone unless I need them to figure out how to get someplace that's not um I'm not particularly paranoid about this stuff. Um, I know that Google knows more about me than anyone um, you know including my wife in some cases um, you know, but it it's a matter of I know I'm providing information when I decide to do something while I'm online and I'm conscious of what's happening so I, I don't think that everybody is aware of of that and 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 some people honestly just don't really con, are con, are not concerned about it at all there's a there's a certain perspective out there of i don't have anything to hide so why why do i care right mm-hmm. um which is interesting to me and and troubling to me and sometimes I'm infuriating because it makes it harder to get positive change made um with respect to the political process that we need to
1: well, and if you don't have anything to hide, go walking around the mall naked. I mean, it's not, of course right. you have something to hide. You have you have modesty, you have propriety, you have all kinds that, that don't have anything to do with nakedness. But I mean, of course you have things that you just don't really care to share with other people all the time, like where you are or um, how much you've had to eat or drink or whatever. You know, I just, those are things that I don't particularly care to share with anybody who's interested
2: yeah, and, and a lot of it has to do with security. The, the folks that are very security conscious and they're very worried about, you know, ISIS is going to come and kill me and my children, uh, they think that they can trade privacy for security, right? And this is, you, you've probably seen the the quote attributed to Benjamin Franklin about trading privacy um, for security uh, makes one really not deserving of either. So um, there's an expression in, in, among privacy folks that, you cannot have you cannot have privacy without security mm-hmm. but you can certainly have lots of security and no
1: privacy <laughs> which is it seems like where the fbi is trying to send us so well, um it seems to me you know there there is there are a bunch of interesting aspects of it but it seems to me that there's a fairly simple one that maybe lawyers should be keeping in mind and that is sort of the you know we all know you're not supposed to de- discuss your clients cases in the elevator um, or And you should keep your voice down in the coffee shop, if that's even an appropriate place to be discussing client matters at all. And um, we've talked before, I've talked before about the importance of using tools like VPNs so that um, your virtual conversation between you and the internet while you're at a coffee shop isn't something that's easy to overhear. But I guess what we've uh, pointed out up to this point is that there might be other things listening in on you at all times, like... If you have a smart TV in your conference room, that might be something to be aware of. Or if you have, um, what is uh, Am- the Amazon Echo sitting in your office? I'm I'm not sure that's a great idea. Right. And and we were we were speaking uh, offline about that a little while ago, Sam. About
2: can you get into trouble in terms of your law license if you're not savvy about these things or thinking about these things and probably not, I would think. Um, I'm not an ethics expert, but if you're doing things in a reasonable way, the way that reasonable lawyers do, then you're probably not going to get disbarred if if something terrible happens. But do you really want to find yourself in that position anyway? Because you might have a law license that have no career because, you know, your name is at the, on top of the page one of the digital <laughs> newspaper everyone is reading about what happened. And um you no know, there's there have been some some high publicity cases recently um in the courts about privacy the Erin Anders um judgment she won a huge judgment after she was filmed changing her clothes mm-hmm. uh, in a hotel and that was online it's everywhere apparently now and and uh Hulk hogan um Everybody's got a sex tape apparently and and it's just a matter of when it gets released so it was apparently leaked by docker, I understand yep. massive judgment uh in his favor so if you even if you have uh relatively modest clients um, you know and and you do construction litigation um for builders, people who build houses you you probably just want to avoid those those problems altogether by doing the you have to do the work of of reading those 19 page you know terms and conditions <laughs> that come with the tech that you buy right and so um have a good time but that or maybe just stay with stick with old tech that might be one argument for for not buying things just because they're reasonably priced and you can do cool stuff
1: well you know i th- also think it's worth uh, imagining the conversation you might have with your client and then potentially having it if if you think it's worthwhile but um, let's say you've got an Amazon Echo sitting in your office. Um, are you really, you know, w- w- the conversation with your client might be something along the lines of, um, hey, before we start talking about the sensitive details of your divorce or before we start talking about the intellectual property that that you haven't told anybody else about or the trade secrets that you need to secure with me, um I think I better let you know that I've got a device sitting here that's listening to everything we say and sharing it with Amazon servers. How do you feel about that? <laughs> right? I mean, you, you may have you may have a rational explanation for why it's not a danger, but, sure. but you should probably imagine how that conversation is going to go. And if you're not sure how your clients are going to react, then maybe you should have that conversation with them. Or maybe and you I- should just take it out of your office. And, right, and, and I think that's
2: a good point because it goes to the sensitivity of the things that people talk to lawyers about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, unless you're working in a corporate environment, um, as I do, where we're we're always trying to look forward to potential problems and and make sure that those things don't happen. I don't work in litigation. I'm not defending the bank against lawsuits for X, Y, or Z. But uh, if you're if you're a solo, or if you work in a small firm, you're probably dealing with people who have problems that are terrifying to them, mm-hmm. uh, upsetting to them, and potentially ruinous to them financially um, or personally, or both. And and I don't even if I were if I were working in family law, I would never want to have to talk about my Amazon Echo. I just I wouldn't have one. <laughs> or you know, or even
1: I, what if you represent um, you know federal criminal defendants? We know. Right. now and, and there or or uh, uh, accuse terrorists. I mean, we, we know that the government is not shy about requesting data and Amazon can say, we are encrypting your data on the way to our servers. But if it's being stored for even a day, or even a minute in a form that Amazon could potentially grab and hand off to the FBI, do you really want to be putting yourself and your clients in that position? And by the way, um, the NSA was pretty weak on saying, oh, we're definitely protecting the attorney-client privilege. We promise. <laughs> so, right. And that's, that's uh, I don't believe it. <laughs> they, That's not why NSA exists, is to protect attorney-client right. privilege. Right.
2: So, um, And, and the, the recent events with respect to the iPhone and San Bernardino. Um, right. So, oh, great. Now the FBI found somebody who could who can decrypt this phone and they didn't have to enslave Apple corporation to do it. So, okay. Except that that solution is probably going to leak. And then what, then mm-hmm. then, then, then is Apple going to turn around and spend another hundred million dollars to try to, you know, patch that almost certainly, and, but yeah, <laughs> one, would, one would hope, I suppose. But, um, it, it's, it's something for folks to, to be aware of and maybe have a conference room where you walk in with, um, you know, a, a fountain pen and a pad of paper and, and nothing, <laughs> not even your phone, perhaps. That sounds perfect. Um, Just to I mean, kind I, of get yourself in that frame of mind of when you talk to clients. Yeah,
1: I, I mean, I hate to I hate to be accused of spreading fear and uncertainty and doubt, you know, FUD when you see it. Um, <laughs> but um, But I do think it's really important to... If you're going to use technology, especially if you're going to try and use cutting-edge technology or technology that may monitor you, I think it's really good to use it in a way that you feel comfortable telling your clients about. The conversation of, I have a paperless office. All of the documents are encrypted before they leave my computer. They're stored encrypted on a remote server that only I have the the keys to, um, and I sync them up between my phone, which is also encrypted, and we have a policy in my office of encrypting everything that leaves this office. Um, We use... Um, encrypted connections to get our email and we protect that as best we can given the internet that we have. Um, and here are the times that we don't think you should use email. And so we have a secure client portal where you can communicate with us. Nothing that I've just said, including the word encrypted like a dozen times is actually all that difficult to do and if you have that conversation with people almost all of them are just going to be like okay you just said encrypted 12 times i'm good um (laughs) (laughs) but if part of that conversation is and by the way i have a device sitting on the desk here which could be listening in on everything we say um or or you haven't even taken the the time to figure that out um we started out and i was i didn't have my mic plugged in because i unplug my microphone when i'm not using it because there's plenty of software out there that people can use to turn on a mic or a camera without lighting up the light. And, you know, if you aren't taking some of those basic precautions, then I think maybe you ought to.
2: Right. There was another famous instance recently, I think it was about six months ago or so, there was a a woman who's a security writer, uh, and she was surfing around some of the darker corners of the internet in the middle of the night. And and came across a, a Russian website that that basically was just a a, a repository of cams, cameras, webcams, mm-hmm. all around the world, thousands of them, and most of them were not never intended for public use. So we're talking about things like video baby monitors and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's cameras inside homes for people to be able to see what's going on outside or what's going on inside. They yeah, how many people think about
1: to... encrypting their baby monitors? Yeah,
2: exactly, right? <laughs> uh, so the, I think the problem with, with most of these was folks that didn't, they didn't even put a password on the right. thing, right? Um, so this this poor woman was so upset, she spent two days trying to contact folks, track people down and say, you really need to put a password on your baby monitor because the Russian, you know, <laughs> whoever this Russian person is and everybody else in the world with an internet connection can watch your house. So it's, and and I think it's fair to say that there are lawyers out there who have tech in their offices that can do things like this and they haven't done what they need to be doing to protect themselves and their clients.
1: And on that note, let's take two minutes for our sponsors. And when we come back, uh, I've got another line of questioning to embark upon.
0: Wish there was a case management system built just for your area of law? Smokeball comes with over 200 different matter types to support the way you work. Turn case details into documents with automated templates, convert and email PDFs with just a click, and stay on top of every detail and task with workflow tools. Check out Smokeball for your small law firm and never miss a detail again. Watch a two minute demo at smokeball.com slash lawyerist today. This podcast
1: is supported by Ruby receptionists. As a matter of fact, Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist and my firm was a paying Ruby customer before that. Here's what I love about Ruby. When I'm in the middle of something, I hate to be interrupted. So when the phone rings, it annoys me and that often carries over into the conversation I have after I pick up the phone which is why I'm better off not answering my own phone. Instead, Ruby answers the phone, and if the person on the other end asks for me, a friendly, cheerful receptionist from Ruby calls me and asks if I want them to put the call through. It's a buffer that gives me a minute to let go of my annoyance and be a better human being during the call. If you want to be a better human being on the phone, give Ruby a try. Go to callruby.com slash lawyerist to sign up, and Ruby will waive the $95 setup fee. If you aren't happy with Ruby for any reason, you can get your money back during your first three weeks. I'm pretty sure you'll stick around, but since there is no risk, you might as well try. Okay, we're back, and Andy, here's the question. I feel like we're probably about a week or two away from the blog post on somebody who has to sensationalize everything... Um, And that's going to talk about um, law practice and how you can build a better law practice using the Internet of Things and how it's going to make you a better lawyer and all that kind of stuff. So how is the Internet of Things going to make me a better lawyer? (laughs) Well, I don't know that it... (laughs) I, uh, I I'm sorry I just I'm I'm cracking up on myself right now cuz uh, like I when mean, the Apple if, Watch came out that was the thing how wearables are going to make you a better lawyer.
2: If if better means um more creative in your <laughs> litigation um thinking then I think the internet of things can help you because there are all sorts of fascinating gaps in the law dealing with what we've been talking mm-hmm. about. So uh if you're creative you might be able to you know, find someone who has who believes that he or she's been harmed, um, and, for example, you might be able to represent this person in, person in a negligence lawsuit against the manufacturer of a device that didn't tell your client that um, when he and his wife were being creative uh, romantically, that it was all getting recorded on a <laughs> server somewhere far, far away. it's mean, interesting, um, right? There
1: is no established standard of care yet for even something as simple as if your device is monitoring stuff, it should be encrypted. I, I don't even like, and which, which things should be encrypted and when.
2: Well, <laughs> in, encryption is is really like the second question mm-hmm. is, is it, is it not, uh, at least, well, there's a, there's an invasion of privacy toward law that goes back a thousand years. Right. So, um, if, if you're being recorded and you don't know because you didn't read the 14 pages of, of right. legalese describing that, that might actually be happening. Do you have a legal remedy? Uh, I, I'm not a litigator, but I, I'm fascinated by these these questions. Um, is there when you buy something that's a contractual uh, exchange that takes place? So doesn't isn't the, the manufacturer of the television with the microphone that's on by default? Isn't there a, an implied warranty of good faith and fair dealing between the two of you. So isn't doesn't that doesn't that raise because of the, the spectacularly invasive nature of this device, doesn't that raise the bar a little bit in terms of putting a warning on the box, on the outside of the box that says microphone is enabled by default or something, so that you don't have to be a glutton for punishment mm-hmm. like lawyers are and read the 14 pages and find that information. Um, is it Fraudulent to mislead folks into thinking into only describing the fantastic things that your smart TV can do for you and not tell you that it's it's listening to you all the time.
1: And, that and sending your data over an unencrypted connection to an unencrypted server owned by Samsung where they conveniently forget to delete things.
2: Or by a third party that yeah. then they're selling your information, and you know, people rail on Facebook. Uh, not too many people have deleted their Facebook accounts. I still haven't deleted mine, despite the fact that during the political season, for example, um, I live across the river in Wisconsin, and we're going to have our <laughs> our primary tomorrow, and a bunch of other interesting things. And I, I I I loathe Facebook because of the politics and 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 the awfulness that is Facebook, but I can't. I can't seem to delete my account because I learned too much that I want to know from Facebook because everybody is on Facebook, so it's mm-hmm. one of those conundrums that faces everybody, um, but what sort of creative lawyer is out there waiting to really make a splash and 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 do something to push back um, against the against the dystopian future that awaits us all?
1: Well, this is one of those, uh, I, I think there's maybe an impact to be made there by reminding corporations who are building things that, let's face it, we want, um, but you know we'd like them to do it in a way that respects our privacy. And and yeah, I think there's probably, somebody's going to screw up badly in a way that, uh, and a lawyer's going to pick it up and do something uh, hopefully nasty to that company with, and it'll set an example and we won't have quite so many um things that are out there leaking our data all over.
2: Well I, I hope so too. So the, the the other um legal theory that I learned about at my C L E uh, the other day was the, the legal question more than a the theory, what are your damages? Um how how can you mm-hmm. really, even if you know all sorts of awful embarrassing things um awful and embarrassing outside of your private relationships, let's say, uh how you could sue, but exactly what sort of damages do you ask for? And it's one of the fascinating questions you learn in law school. If it's not a criminal offense, then it's a civil offense, and you can only sue for money or, you know, in some cases, a replevin, right? You can ask for the cow back or something. Mm-hmm. But you can't get that that stuff back once it's out there, right? Erin Andrews got $50 million, but she can't get the video back of her. So, right. Is there is there some way that we could? This becomes a political question, of course, as all legal questions are ultimately. I think, um, is there something that we should be asking our legislatures to do to to criminalize perhaps um, that level of negligence by tech co- companies and and marketing folks that that might do what you were just describing a moment ago? doing something nasty you know to a corporation or to an industry or threaten to do something nasty if they don't start to slow down, hire a bunch of cool privacy officers like me, right? <laughs> and, and 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 slow down and, and think this through a little bit. There's a there's a high in the sky concept we talk about in privacy called privacy by design, where we're we're trying to integrate ourselves into the stream of commerce to the degree where it would become almost impossible for something as foolish as a television where the microphone's on all the time to ever get to market because the questions would be asked at the beginning of the process rather than, okay, we're done, this is cool, we're going to really do well, Um, better run it by legal now, right? And then legal's in a position to stop the thing from hitting hitting the, the stores,
1: Right. You know, I, that's a, it's really interesting that you bring that up because I just read something about Apple's um, system and they ha, there are three people and I don't remember who they are, but there are three high level people who have to sign off on every feature that could potentially impact privacy in any way. Wow. And so there, there, are, there are some interesting reasons why Siri works the way it does that are because that group of people thought it might be a little bit too creepy for it to work a different way. And, well, that's,
2: that, that's to their credit if they're doing a good job, at
1: least. Yeah, I, I thought that was a really like they they integrate security and privacy into every conversation they have about features, apparently. And mm-hmm. and that's I, I wish more lawyers would do that. Honestly, I, I I wish more lawyers would start thinking about privacy security of their clients whenever it comes down to um, every conversation really, but, but doing it at the, at the front end so that you don't have to think about it in every conversation. You're already set up to just do it. Right. Um, right. it's the same way, you know, it, is it, is it easier to talk about encrypting every file before you send it? Or is it easier to just have a secure portal that is encrypted and people can access it whenever they want a file? Um, it's a heck of a lot easier to just do it all the time instead of doing it one at a time. So, right.
2: And, and lawyers don't have any excuse for not being on the ball when it comes to protecting sensitive information, as banks. No, don't it have does happen excuse. to be what
1: we traffic in, basically. <laughs> right, <laughs> we traffic in human misery. Therefore,
2: you know, we should be aware of t- trying to to not create more.
1: So, uh, so, so it all sort of takes us right back to the beginning, which is uh, this crazy assertion that I don't have anything to hide. So, search me. Um, which we all know is just crazy and untrue. So, um, start thinking about the things that are listening in and the things that you are sharing, whether or not you mean to be, um, both in your personal life and with your clients. And hey, maybe come up with some creative legal theories.
2: Right, and and call your you know your presidential candidate's office and, and demand action
1: as well. There you go. Thanks so much for the conversation today, Andy, and for talking about Internet of Things, which I think is the first time we've actually talked about it on this podcast. So, really grateful. My pleasure, Sam. To make sure you catch next week's episode of The Lawyerist Podcast, subscribe to The Lawyerist Podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. You can listen to it at lawyerist.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe to The Lawyerist Insider, our weekly newsletter. Just go to lawyerist.com and look down the sidebar or click on newsletter up at the top. We'll remind you where to find the podcast whenever we release a new episode. Thanks for listening.